0: 700 years before Jesus put on flesh and invaded our planet, God breathed the following words to the prophet Isaiah. Uh, Words to people who had seen better days, words to people who had experienced suffering, lost hope, words to people who, in many ways, had no one to blame but themselves for what they're going through. Words to people who had wondered where God was, who longed for things to be different. You ever been there? If so, maybe these 2,700-year-old words that are living and active will speak to you just as they spoke to them. He writes, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. And understand, one of your greatest problems in mind, it's not, one of our greatest needs, rather, is not to have our problems removed, But to have a proper understanding of who God is, to have his identity worked out. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's King, your Creator. This is what the Lord says. You've been listening to a lot of other voices, right? You've been listening to a lot of other voices getting in your head, right? But now it's time to to listen to me. Listen to what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters who drew out the chariot and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. In other words, uh, uh, the prophet Isaiah uh, wants God's people to know that the one speaking to them is the Lord, is the creator, is the king, is, is, the, is the one who provides a way where there looks like there is no way. It's the one who draws out all of our enemies, all of our enemies who want to steal the freedom and deliverance he bought for us and distinguish them. This is what the Lord says. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert. Some of you are in the desert. And streams in the wasteland. To give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. That they may what? Proclaim my praise. You see, it, it always boils down, right? To God's praise and to God's glory. Question. With a God like that, the Holy One, the King, your Creator, with a God like that, can there be any doubt whatsoever that this year, can be different. Amen? Amen. Welcome to week two of a five-week series that if you choose, and by the way, it is your choice, and you are choosing. A five-week series where if you choose to lean in and to live out, is guaranteed to make a difference this year. Now week one, we talked about that if you want this year to be different, you have to grow like Jesus and well, how did Jesus grow? Luke told us, right, in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. Now, uh, we had a snow day last week, right? So you had an extra week to do your homework. But like most times, right, you get an extra week to do homework or turn paper or project, you just have an extra week to put it off, right? And so uh, I just, so just want to ask you, you know, have, have you filled out your value survey You know, where you're talking, hey, what kind of person I want to be? Do I want to live for a resume or to have a really awesome eulogy someday? And where you set some specific goals in each of those four areas. If you have awesome, if you haven't, hey, there's still time. i got to turn mine into my D group this Wednesday. Uh, Mine mine has some fine-tuning to do. But it's not too late. Do not let another year slip away. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're amazing. And God, we thank you for the simple gospel. God, we thank you, Lord, that, that, that even though, Lord, we may have been told that we're not good enough, we don't measure up, and maybe even if we've done some things that we feel ashamed of, God, but your simple gospel reaches down and it meets us in the dust and it pulls us up out of that dust. And God, thank you that you came not to leave things the same, not to keep things as a status quo, but to make things different. And Holy Spirit, you're alive and well, and, and you're welcome in this place. And God, I pray that every heart welcomes you. God, I, I want to welcome you, Holy Spirit, as I as I teach this morning because I, I I want this year to be different. Amen. Okay, let's do this. This year can be different. Week two, and, and today we're gonna we're gonna uh, begin unpacking uh, two very familiar scriptures, one from the old and one from the from the New Testament. And in these passages, we'll uncover three things that if you both embrace and strive to live out, your 2019 is guaranteed to be different. And what are these three things? Forgetting what is behind, straining toward and pressing on, trusting in, leaning not to acknowledge him. I know I try to make three things, really seven things by (laughs) combining them. And, and, and by the way, we're only doing thing one and thing two today because I just don't have time. So are you ready? Okay, I got like, I, I think there was a a bug on the ground that said something. <laughs> are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready to hear from God? Yeah. Are you ready for this year to be different? Yeah. Me too. Let's start unpacking. Philippians chapter 3, a little backstory: uh, Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi from a, from a Roman prison. He planted this church. Uh, We read about it in Acts chapter 16, and at this particular section of the letter, what Paul's trying to do is combat a a false teaching that came in the church that was trying to add the the works of human effort to the finished work of the cross and the grace found only in Jesus. We'll begin reading at the second part of Philippians 3, verse 3. Uh, Paul writes, we rely on what Christ has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. That sounds like a good place to be. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. See, a bunch of people are saying, hey, we're so awesome, you should listen to us, look at our resume. Paul said, okay, you want to talk about resume? All right, okay, let's do it. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. I'm a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. I understand, that was, a, that was a number one in your class, cum Law, Time Magazine, drop the mic resume right there. But whatever, whatever were gains to me, I now consider laws for the sake of Christ. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And Paul realizes that unless I die like he died, I will never rise to live like he lived. Then he writes, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. I mean, you got to love his honesty, right? He says, "Hey, I'm not there," and, and and I contend that if Paul wasn't there, you're not there, right? All right? look three people now and just tell them you're not there yet. <laughs> and if there's someone you're really dying to say that to, that's across the room, feel free to get up and tell them they're not there yet because <laughs> you think they think they're there, right? I'm not there yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize, which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love how he ends it, right? Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things, right? If you disagree at some point, I believe God will make that plain to you. He said, hey, if you don't accept what I'm saying, that just means that you're spiritually mature. And someday when you grow up, you're going to agree with me is what he's saying. I like that. I can't say that, but Paul got to. Maple Grove, this year really can be different if you embrace and try to live out these three things. And so here is thing number one. No, not that thing number one. (laughs) All right, that should have got at least a couple mercy laughs at least, right? I laugh more than you guys did. Okay, thing number one. Let me make a note. Not very gracious to me today. No. Thing number one, forgetting what's behind. No dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Uh, that word forgetting is the Greek word, epilathonomai, epilathonomai, epi, in or upon, lanthano, lie hitting or concealed. And, and this word conveys two ideas in the New Testament. To forget, uh, not recall something, not recall information concerning something, or to neglect give little attention to something, to omit by carelessness or design. And the preposition epi intensifies it. And so the idea is not just forgetting, it's forgetting completely, to no longer care for, to leave hidden, concealed, unnoticed, to give over to oblivion, to lose out of mind. And it's, it's in the present tense, which means that this is to be the constant state of the spirit-filled believer to keep on forgetting completely question there's anything that you need to leave behind to no longer care for to leave hidden concealed unnoticed to give over to oblivion to forget and keep on forgetting to lose out of mind so that this year can be different so that 2019 can be your break free and breakout year and, and, and now when paul penned those words but one thing i do forgetting what is behind what do you think it was referring to like like what do you think Paul felt that he needed to leave behind, that he needed to long, no longer care for, that he needed to leave hidden and concealed and to lose out of mind? I mean, what did Paul know that, hey, if I try to carry this with me, I'm never even going to make it into my, the future God has for me? I can think of a few things that Paul had to leave behind. Number one, you need to leave behind his past sin and failures. And he had some big ones. Here's what he said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 15. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Christ came to save who? Sinners, right? The church is not for the healthy, the church is for the, for the sick. And this truth deserves what? Full acceptance. And, and how does Paul see himself? Paul. Paul says, I am the worst of sinners. Philippians 3, verse 6, our text, he said this. As for zeal, part of his resume at one time, persecuting the church. And let me unpack those three words just a tiny bit. Like, what do you mean by that? But we, before he was Paul, he was known as Saul. And he would, he would have, he had countless men and women arrested for following Jesus. If Paul were alive today, and he was still Saul, he would break into this room and he would grab a bunch of you out of here and drag you off into prison. And down that hallway, we just create a bunch of orphans, right, and a bunch of homeless children. That was Paul when he was Saul. And not only that, that there were people like Stephen, right who we see in Acts 7, who, who died at the orders of, or the hands of Saul. And, and see, Paul knew that there's no way that, that he could have a new and different future if he brought with him the sins and failures of his past. Got any? And if he brought along with that the guilt and shame that are always attached to our sin and failures. Question. Have you in faith surrendered your life to Jesus? If so, if so, it is an insult. It is an insult to Jesus to continue to carry the guilt and shame for sins that his blood has already paid for. And, and, and when I made that, typed out that statement, that word insult didn't seem strong enough. So I went to thesaurus.com, and I found these synonyms. It is is an affront. It is abuse. It is an outrage. It is a slap in the face. It is disrespect. It is blasphemy. It is insolence. It is a slight. It is a wound to Jesus to continue to carry the guilt and shame for sins that his blood has already paid for. Listen, if you have truly repented of a sin, if you're a Jesus follower and you have truly repented of sin, any sin, and by repent I mean you acknowledge, hey, that's sin, that's wrong, and and it means that you have made a commitment and a desire to change, right? If you've done that, then it's time for you to accept his grace and to walk fully in his freedom. Amen? Amen. You see, I thought a lot of thoughts hit me. Some I know I should never say. (laughs) But a thought hit me this week. And have you ever had a sin that you just seem to always struggle with and unable to break free from? Or is it just me? All right. Wow, I'm with a bunch of righteous people. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm just kidding. But I think part of the reason we can't break free from it Because we have never fully trusted in the power of the cross and the wonder and forgiveness that comes with his grace. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He's not surprised that you're a sinner, right? That's why he came here, of whom I'm the worst. A second thing that Paul needed to leave behind was trying to to earn or deserve his own righteousness. And there was a time, that's exactly how Paul lived. That's how he he had that resume. There was a time when Paul defined his walk with God as doing it himself rather than done in Christ. Have you ever defined your walk with God the same way? Doing it yourself rather than done in Christ? It's exhausting. It's frustrating, isn't it? In our text, Paul says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever gains to me, all these things that I did, all these things that I did or didn't do in order to be right with God, I now consider loss. That word loss is the Greek word zemeia. It means to be a detriment, to affect damage upon. And then he says these five words that I'm like, I really didn't it kind of made me say, what what did you just say? For the sake of Christ. And the word sake is a word that means the grounds or reason why something is done. In other words, Paul is saying that I'm doing this for your sake, Jesus. (laughs) I'm doing this for your benefit. And I was like, okay, what what does Christ gain by Paul considering these things, things lost? Like, like, how does this benefit Jesus? And, and I think maybe Paul's trying to say this. Jesus, I'm doing this for your sake, for you, because when I do things thinking that they in some way earn or help earn my salvation, I'm telling you, Jesus, that what you did on the cross was not good enough. And I don't want to insult, disrespect, or wound you like that anymore. And not only that, I've come to realize that that to think that those things could in any way help earn my salvation is actually a detriment to me. And it causes damage to my walk, to my relationship with you. Whatever gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What you did, Jesus, was enough. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom, for whose sake I lost all things, and, and then he really drives it point home with these next four words, especially one word. He, he wants a human effort. He says, "I consider them what garbage." That is a Greek word, skubalon, skubalon. Now you have no idea if I'm saying it right or not, but you probably, if there was a vote out over under, he didn't come close to saying that right. Okay. And I'm okay with that. It's most of the time translated rubbish, filth, or garbage. And and I decided, hey, let me dig into the actual meaning of this word. When I did it, I realized, you know what? My opinion, all those words are too clean. They're too nice. They're too sanitized. They're much too churchy. And I think they're missing the point of what Paul's trying to drive home here about how worthless anything we ever could do for our salvation really is you see the primary meaning of the word skubalon is animal excrement that would be poop uh, the new english translation comes closer it uses the word dung it has this footnote in the study bible the word here the word here translated dung was often used in greek as a vulgar term for fecal matter even appearing on walls in ancient graffiti as such, it would most likely have had a certain shock value for the readers. This may well be Paul's meaning here, especially since the context is about what the flesh produces. Because let that sink in. See, when compared to what we receive from Christ in faith, whatever we accomplish or bring to the table on our own is nothing more than animal excrement. I know a lot about animal excrement excrement. I walk my dog two times a day, right? He let me down, she let me down today, right? I'm saying, I want a prop today story. No prop came, right? <laughs> this is how bad I wanted a prop. I dug through my big garbage can. I couldn't find a prop. It was too buried. Went in the backyard, couldn't find a prop, all right? But, but here, here's what I'll tell you about animal excrement. I do not value it, right? I don't keep it as proof. It's not here. And I avoid trying to touch it. And what Paul is saying, he says, you know what? Now I get it that everything I did or didn't do that I, could thought, I thought would earn my salvation is nothing more than bringing dog poop to you, Jesus, and saying, yeah, now I am right with God. I mean, do you see the sheer madness that is involved in thinking that you could earn his love or earn his salvation? I mean, really, what could you possibly offer him? What could you bribe him with? I mean, we we, we come to Jesus, right? I'm doing this. I stopped doing this, Jesus. And bringing our dog poop and expecting Jesus to pat us on the back and say, job well done. And Paul says, you know what? I consider that stuff garbage and it's frustrating, right? It's futile. It doesn't work. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but is with, which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. See, for some of you, you want this year to be different. You need to leave behind some sin and failures and regret and guilt, Right? And some of you need to leave behind thinking that you could earn your salvation. You can't and you don't have to. Paul also needed to leave behind the hurt caused by other people. Paul endured a lot of hurt from people. uh, More than any one of us and maybe more than all of us combined. People beat Paul. (laughs) They scourged Paul. They threw him off cliffs and dropped rocks on Paul. They threw Paul in prison. He says this in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 26. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. Even this letter to church in Philippi, Paul says, hey, you know, there's some church members there that, that don't really like me. And by the words and actions, Philippians 1.17, you know, what they're trying to do is they're intending to make my chains more painful to me. Have you ever experienced hurt by other people? Have other people ever did things or said things intentionally or unintentionally that make your pain more painful? Yeah, I'm confident when Paul wrote those nine words... But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, he was thinking about his past failures and sins. He was thinking about trying to earn his salvation. He was thinking about being hurt by other people. This year can be different if you embrace and live out thing number one, forgetting what is behind. Okay, time to get real. What do you need to leave behind? What do you need to to lose out of mind, to no longer care for, to to hide, conceal, leave unnoticed, to forget and keep on forgetting? Uh, Maybe you need need to leave behind a a sinful attitude or behavior. Like I said earlier, maybe you need to leave behind the guilt and shame you feel for a sin that you already repented of. Maybe you leave behind trying to make yourself right with God. Maybe you need to leave behind, for this should be different, the pain and hurt of betrayal. Maybe you need to leave behind doubt, fear, pride, guilt, envy, jealousy, insecurity. Maybe you need to leave behind anger, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness. Anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment. And that last one's kind of big for a lot of people, right? Because I imagine there could be one or two people in here that, that have been carrying around anger and unforgiveness for a really long time. I was recently talking to two different people, two different occasions, and I was just saying, I, I was saying you know, it's so tragic that, that sometimes the, the place where you find the least amount of forgiveness and the least amount of grace is the place where it should reign supreme. Here in a church among God's people. I mean, sometimes some of the most unforgiving, ungracious people are people who have been forgiven by God. It ought not be that way. When that thought came to me, how terrible that was, it's when I read John 11, Jesus wept outside the tomb. You know, that verse everybody says, that's my memory verse. (laughs) That's what I got right here. But, because he wept because it's not supposed to be that way. I'm here to tell you that if you hold bitterness to anger, or I do, Jesus weeps it breaks his heart he's like are you kidding me are you kidding me you can't let that go you're going to hold on to that after what I did for you that's not what I saved you for you know David prayed an awesome prayer because we we resist this right and you may be resisting right now the Holy Spirit right you know because if Paul hadn't made it you're not there yet right And there's some stuff you need to leave behind. And here's a prayer that David prayed. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And I would just invite you right now, you know, to to pray that prayer out loud and just repeat these phrases after me. Just close your eyes. and Just breathe out and then breathe in and repeat after me. Search me, O God, God. and know my heart. heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. thoughts. See See if there is any offensive way in me. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. Holy Spirit, do your work. Three quick statements and then we're going to move on to thing number two. There's no future in your past or in holding on to your past. Okay? Just not there. Because of Christ, your past has lost its power to define or determine either your present or your future. Right? It's lost its power. Now you can give it back to it, but it doesn't have any real power. And the final thought is your. History does not have to be your destiny. I'm totally convinced this year, 2019, can be different if you embrace and strive to live out these three things. Thing number one, forgetting what is behind. Thing number two, straining toward and pressing on. Right after Paul writes about forgetting what is behind, he writes the following, right? And the order is important. There's an order to things, right? You know, some things have to come first. God said, let there be light, and there was. Order is important. He forgot, and now he's able to do this. And straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here's kind of a picture, I think, of what that looks like. And Paul, I think you know, with the, with the games, right, that he's aware of. That's what it looks like. I mean, those guys are straining. And Paul's saying, you know what, I'm straining towards what's ahead. I'm, I'm pressing on to the goal. I'm not straining towards what's behind me. I'm pressing on to the goal because I I, I want to I wanna win that prize. Back at verse 12 of our text, he says this, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. The word per- perfection means fullness, maturity, Completeness, reaching its desired goal. And Paul said, Hey, I, I know, I know that Jesus took a hold of me for a reason. I know that Jesus died a, a brutal death on the cross, not just to save me from my sins, as awesome as that is, but also to restore me to who I was always meant to be. A man or woman created in the image of God, a, a man who possesses that perfection, who possesses that fullness, that completeness. And what does that completeness look like? What would, it, what would it look like? Jesus. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. So that his son would be the firstborn among brothers and sisters. God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. That's what he was straining toward. See, that was his goal. You know, looking like Jesus. And, and If you want this year to be different, you need to keep straining toward and pressing on to be like Jesus. Do you think your 2019 would be different, better, more positive, more God honoring if you were more like Jesus? All right, that's like, duh, right? Perhaps some of you are thinking, though, yeah, I hear what you're saying, Pastor. And yes, being like Jesus, possessing that perfection, that fullness, that maturity, that completeness sounds good, sounds awesome. Sounds like a great goal. Sounds like a great way to live. In fact, I'd like to live that way. But I don't know how. I don't know how. you ever feel like that? I do. I don't know how. I mean, when I read Scripture, and I read that, that I'm supposed to love like Jesus, forgive like Jesus, accept like Jesus love my wife like Jesus loved the church, that I'm supposed to consider all things joy, that I'm supposed to love my enemies, pray for those who curse me. Yeah, I'd like to live like that. But I don't know how. And you know what? I think that's okay. I don't think we're supposed to know how. Let me explain. In Mark 4, Jesus is trying to help his guys understand what the kingdom is what being a Jesus follower is like. And he uses parables. Here's one in Mark 4. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. They're probably like, oh man, this would be good. Like a roaring lion, right? <laughs> like a, like a, a mighty ship. It's like a seed. <laughs> a man scatters on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Though he does not know what? He doesn't know how. He doesn't know how. It, you see, the, the seed, it just seems so small and insignificant. And, and once he puts the seed in the dirt, it becomes invisible. He doesn't even know if he'll ever see it again. And, and the process of growth still keeps going, but he does not know how. And Jesus said, that's what the kingdom is like. That's what growth in the kingdom is like. It's, sometimes it seems insignificant. It What's happened is invisible and you're kind of ignorant of how it works. But listen, even though the farmer didn't know how, he, he knew he had a part to play, right? He says, you know, even though I, I don't know how, what causes the growth, I still know I have a part to play, right? I can plant, I, I can water, I, I can plow. But I don't have to know how. Like, I have this phone here. And, and you know, with this, this thing, is nuts, Right? Yeah, you know, that then I can send texts with it, I can take pictures with it, I can send those pictures. I can I can I can watch football games with it if it's not on TV, right? You know, I can I get into my favorite apps with it, I can I can make money transfers with it. Like I, now I know what buttons to push, but I don't really know how. Like I don't really know how this thing enabled me to text with my wife while she was in Cambodia. I really don't really know how, like Wednesday night when my grandchildren, and the Anna wanted to FaceTime with me. Yeah, I, I, knew what, I knew I had to click, yeah, accept, and we could talk. But I, I don't know how. I don't really know how it works. But I don't let not knowing how keep me from using it. See, don't let what you don't know keep you from sowing. You got to keep sowing and let the dirt do its work. There are things that you can do that will help you become more like Jesus. And just like the farmer, they may seem very small and insignificant. And what they're doing in your life may not always be visible. And you may be ignorant. I don't know how those things are ever going to help me be more like Jesus. But it's not about knowing how. It's about knowing where. Again, don't let what you don't know keep you from sowing. Okay, everybody repeat after for me. I don't, know how. I, don't know how. I don't know how. I don't know how. Probably one of the most spiritual things some of us have said this week. Bottom line, if you want to become more like Jesus, you have to embrace actions and put your life in the dirt and then just let the dirt, the Holy Spirit, do its work. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are a branch. If you stay connected to me, you'll produce fruit, right? I don't know how. But I know where, right? You don't have to know how. You just have to know where. No, we can't make, the farmer can't make it rain. He he cannot control the rate of growth, but he can put his seed in the dirt and let it do its work. And and, and notice the greatest growth happened not when the farmer did his work, but when the dirt did its work. And and there's two extremes we have to avoid. One extreme is thinking that it's all about what we do. Don't go there. The other extreme is thinking it's all about what God does. Don't go there either. You see, the farmer has a role. The dirt has a role. Obedience is our job. Outcome is God's job, right? Our job is obedience. And sometimes we don't know anything. I don't know how. I don't know how. Like, I'm not going to say, well, I don't know how that works. I'm never going to use this again. I'm going to get rid of that thing. It's safe. It's got a good case, I hope, right? (laughs) You know, I'm going to say, well, I don't know how my car works. I'm walking everywhere because I, I don't really know how my legs work, if you think about it. Like, how's my brain telling that? <laughs> and, and I want to suggest a few things that will help you get in the dirt. And you may not be surprised by them. Ways to get in the dirt. Plant yourself in the Word and in prayer on a regular basis. Seems so small and insignificant. How is doing that going to help me forgive that person who hurt me? Just be in the word and be in prayer and be with God. Just stay connected to him and let the dirt do its work. Another is making being in his church each week a priority. For worship, the word, communion, serving, giving, fellowship. You could, we could add servants. Not in, it's not going to show up in your notes, but serving is one way, Right? You're like, well, how can me volunteering in children's ministry or volunteering this, how in the world would it help me be like Jesus? I don't know how that's ever going to do it. You don't have to know how, then where. Get in the dirt. Determined to do life together. Yeah, you know, together's better, right? I think my body works better together. Like if my hand was disconnected from my body, I don't think it would work so good. I'm not going to try it. And don't you try that at home either, right? You know, how? All this life group stuff, I'm tired of it. I'm glad they're launching. So they'll never talk about it again. How can meeting with people on a night when my schedule's so busy and I got to go to work the next day and I got so much on my plate, how in the world is sitting in someone's liver and going to help me grow? I don't know how. I know where. And Jesus said we're supposed to do life together. And then prayerfully setting those goals. Right? Intellectual goal, spiritual goal, physical goal, relational goal. See, here's the deal. This year can be different. Can be different. If you embrace these three things, forgetting what is behind. And, and, and see, you don't have to wait till next week to forget, right? I need to forgive myself for that sin. I need to forgive that person. You know what, I'm going to do that next. That's a great idea, Pastor. <laughs> That's, I'm going to put a post-it note on my Bible. <laughs> I'm going to pray about it. God, do you want me to forgive that person? <laughs> I think you already answered that one, right? You know, and so it, you don't have to wait. It can happen right now as, we, as we, the worship team comes up and as we, we sing this song. It can, you can do that right now, right? If you're holding on the guilt trying to earn your salvation, you can walk in freedom now, right? You can, you can do that now. And you can choose now. You know what? I I don't understand how reading some book 2,000 years old is ever going to make a difference in my life. You don't have to know how when you know where, when you get in the dirt and allow God to do his work. Would you stand and pray with me? Father God, we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And Father God, right now I just pray for us. Uh, we can let this moment pass so that this year is the same and we're the same and we don't look any more like Jesus January 20th, 2020 than we do today. Or, or, or we can choose a day to forget what is behind and strain toward and press on what is ahead. And God, as the enemy tells people that they have to know how, help them to resist that. And decide today that they're going to get in the dirt. Even though it seems small and insignificant and invisible. And they don't know how. But they're going to trust you. And be connected to you. In Jesus name. Amen.